I thought so. I want to be, um, I want to be mindful of your time today because I know that uh, it's a busy uh, day with Mother's Day, but also with graduation, and I know that's important, and, um, and uh, that's, that's not lost on me. So, there, you know, there's power in invitation. Who likes to get invited to stuff? All right? Yeah. It's fun to get invited to things, right? And when you get invited to stuff, it's exciting. Something happens in our, you know, like in our bloodstream. There's a little dopamine uh, reaction, isn't there? Uh, something exciting happens when we get that invite. If you can think about, there, there's certain invitations that are even more exciting than others. There's to that party or this party when he invites you or she invites you. That there's a little more excitement in those situations. Uh, let me just say, uh, first of all, because I just saw the squirrel go over. The moths, right? I'm sorry. I can't help it. But every now and then, there's one goes. And so if I get distracted, it's my fault. But um, they're, they just keep kind of going back and forth. You probably can't see them at all. Um, I'll pay attention. Wow. Um, but, you know, we get invited to different things, and they're powerful. Invitations are powerful. Um, and they come during different circumstances. Today's Mother's Day. We, uh, uh, again, let me say happy Mother's Day to all your moms out there. Okay, call your mama. Um, but today, we invited mothers to breakfast, and it was fantastic. Thanks to the guys that prepared and served. It was fantastic, too. Um, and hopefully, you invited your mom and your families to be a part of that. So there was an invitation there. Um, today's graduation day for Emporia High School. So there was a series of invitations there as well. Okay, uh, Graduation parties, we went to a bunch of those yesterday. There were uh, invitations sent out for that. Okay, We have some wedding showers coming up um, next week and then down the road. Um, there were some invitations sent out for that. And for those weddings, right, there's invitations sent out for that. See how the dominoes just keep falling. Invites, beget invites, and it's just kind of back and forth. And really, um, the weddings are happening because of an invitation, aren't they? Right? Josh and Sarah are getting married because Josh invited Sarah to marry him. And she said, all right, no. Um, <laughs> I, I, that's probably how it went, right? No, she said yes. She was excited. I think she did a jumping jack or something. Um, Adam and Josie are getting married. And she, you know, because Adam invited Josie to marry him. And she was excited. She said yes. And so much of life revolves around invitation. And um, today, as we continue this conversation around the table and what that looks like. And um, we, we talked about last week how the table is a place for us, you know, to gather in community. And a table is a place for us to, to tell our story, and it can unfold um, for each other. And, and our, we can tell our testimony and just share a life together. It's a tool for discipleship and for evangelism. And more plainly said, just a way for, our, for us to build a relationship with Jesus and to take the name of Jesus to others. Uh, it's a place for Jesus, right? It's a place for Jesus. In a lot of time of Jesus' ministry, it was spent around a table. We're going to talk a lot about that today. Jesus spent time around a table with many different types of people. But regardless, 
Jesus never missed the opportunity to speak life into the, into the people that he was around the table with. He set the example of what discipleship looked like around the table. So the table and invitations, they go hand in hand, right? Quite a few events begin with an invitation to the table, right? First dates, yeah, we, we go on a first date. A lot of that time, we'll say, hey, do you want to come and eat? Let's go on a date, and you go and you eat at the table. Um, holiday dinners, we talked about that, right? There's a rite of passage around the table. You get to go sit at the big table with all the adults, right? Just a regular family dinner usually starts with an invitation. Hey, y'all come and eat dinner or come and sit at the table so we can eat dinner, okay? Again, invitation. Um, and when you get invited to something, right, how do you respond? When you get the invitation, what's your response typically, right? You arrive at the place where you're going. You come in on purpose, don't you, right? You're not very meek, right? You don't like tap on the door like you're, like you're unexpected, right? You were invited, so you come in on purpose, because you were asked to be there. You, you're invitable, so to speak. Um, and, and better put, you were found worthy. Okay, We don't want to stretch that too far, but you understand what I mean. And, and so when you're invited, you're humbled a little bit. And you're like, well, okay, we'll come. What can we bring? All right? what, 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 what do you want us to bring? Okay, What are you making? We'll, do, we'll, we'll bring this side or whatever it is. Um, but uh, here's, here's what you're not going to do right? Here's what you're not going to, you're not going to tell the person, well, we'll, we'll come, but we're also going to bring so-and-so and these two friends along. You're not doing that, right? Because they didn't get invited. You're not going to invite yourself and two other people, okay? You're not going to tell that person not to make the, okay, well, don't make the thing with the beans and the two other things, right? Because I don't like that, okay? Don't make fish because that's nasty. But if we come over, don't make fish because that's nasty, I'm just kidding. Not really. Um, <clears throat> you, you don't tell the person that, you know, hey, we'll come over whenever we feel like it, right? Uh, usually when you're invited, you're told, hey, we'll make dinner around five, come on over whenever, right? But you don't say, hey, we'll be there whenever we feel like it. Because when you're invited by someone, there's a lot that's out of your control, you just, you're humbled and you're invited, but you're kind of at their mercy, right? Well, today we get to see Jesus in three different types of invitations. Um, there's, there, and at three different types of tables. Um, he's, at, he's, he's there during an invitable moment. Jesus is at, uh, at the table with an uninvitable person. And he's at the table... Uh, in an in, invite yourself a bowl urgency, if you will. Um, I made that part up. But you'll see what we're talking about in just a moment. All three table encounters, though, are found in the Gospel of Luke. So if you want to take out your scripture, you can. Uh, if you have an uh, electronic device, you can look up Luke. There's a Bible underneath uh, some of the chairs there. If you want to look up the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke is in the New Testament. It's the third book of the New Testament. And they're all just kind of, th they're, they're kind of scattered throughout the book of Luke, but they're just a few pages apart. And because there's three different passages, for time's sake, we're really just going to uh, go through one of them, and we're going to talk through the other two. Uh, one of them is kind of familiar 
because we walked through it already right before Easter, which wasn't too long ago. The other one that we'll talk through is very familiar, and you'll know uh, when we get to it. So we're going to start off uh, in Luke chapter 5. So if you want to find Luke chapter 5, verse 27, and we'll read that one. And this is what we call an invitable moment. Um, and so if you want to find Luke chapter 5, verse 27. And, and leading up to this, Jesus has been uh, hard at work building a team of people that's going to follow him for the next few years uh, called his disciples, his followers. And he just uh, has been uh, recruiting, telling, um, telling, him, you know, telling people, hey, just follow me. And he, they've done that. And he has, um, he's healed some people, and he walks by this guy. And we get to this point in verse 27. He says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And when Levi, <clears throat> then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors uh, and, other, and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples. By... Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them and said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. So, this, this, um, this encounter is, is kind of an invitable moment with Matthew, a.k.a. Levi. Okay, it's just the difference between translations, Levi and Matthew, depending on the Latin and the Greek and the um, Aramaic. So this, this is Levi. It's actually Matthew. Matthew wrote the first gospel in the New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Matthew's pretty familiar with Jesus eventually. Uh, but Matthew's a tax collector, and he works for the Roman government. But he's one of them. He's, one, he's, a, he's actually not a Hebrew, but he's one of them. He's a local, and that's what the Roman government did. They, they hired local people to work for them, but he was despised by everybody because nobody likes the tax collector, right? Nobody here likes the IRS because they take your money, and we like our money. We like all our money. So um, primarily, he took advantage of his own people. And so nobody likes Matthew. Now, all the tax collectors did this because they were allowed to do that. The Roman government didn't care how much people were taxed. They just wanted their money. And so the tax collectors got their money plus a little bit. So Jesus is passing by. He simply says to Matthew, follow me. Now, chances are this is not the first encounter that Jesus has with Matthew. But this is how Luke puts it. And, and he says to Matthew, follow me. And Matthew follows him. And he drops everything, everything he has, and he follows Jesus. He leaves his post. He becomes a Jesus follower as a profession. He switches careers immediately. And, and part of this decision to follow Jesus leads Matthew to have a party for Jesus at his house. <clears throat> and 
In verse 29, it says, Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his home. But not just for Jesus. Who else was invited? Right? Matthew invited his friends, which was probably kind of a loose term because tax collectors didn't have a whole lot of friends. Right? Matthew saw this time, he became a follower of Jesus like that. Jesus said, follow me, and he did, and he invited Jesus to his house along with all his friends. He saw this as an invitable moment. This guy changed my life, and I'm going to share it with everybody I know. It's not very many people, but here we go. I'm going to share Jesus with as many people as I can. And the end of verse 29, this is a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. So Jesus sits down at the table with Matthew, this new disciple and all these tax collectors that Matthew invited to come and be with him. Pretty cool because he why why would he invite all these sinners, right, to come and eat with him? Matthew's response to Jesus' invitation to follow was to invite more people. Immediately, Matthew was a disciple making more disciples. And, and so what did Jesus do, right? How did he respond to the invitation? He sits down at the table with the sinners and the tax collectors because they had their own little category of sin because they were the awful people. The, these people that everyone hated, these people that cheated and stole and lied to everyone that they encountered, including Jesus and his disciples, Right? Jesus had to pay taxes. The disciples had to pay taxes. They they weren't exempt, okay? Fortunately, the church is tax exempt. Great, okay? But they had to do their due diligence, right? And Jesus sat down at the table with them. And who had a problem with that, right? Who had the problem? The Christians of the day. The religious leaders of the day. The Pharisees, right? These, These professional religious leaders, who they, they wrapped their own sin in respectability, okay? They, they were so magnanimous. They, they thought, well, yeah, I sin, but I'm too respectable to show that to everybody. So they could give the appearance of doing so much good that they're too respectable to show their sin. They just wrapped it up in being too respectable, And they had a big problem with Jesus sitting at this table with all these sinners, with those people, right? We've talked about that in the past. Jesus' response, why do you think I'm here, right? Healthy people, they don't need a doctor, right? We go to the doctor when we're healthy to make sure that we stay healthy. That's what discipleship is. That's why we read our Bible. It's why we pray. So we stay healthy. Right? To keep building those blocks, to keep our foundation strong. That's why we go to the doctor to stay healthy. Jesus said, healthy people, they, they don't need a doctor. He spent time with people aware of their sin, and he was fully aware of their sin. And, and, he, <clears throat> and he felt like, they, and, he, felt, and they, he knew that they felt like they weren't good enough for God. The people in that room felt like, well, God isn't going to take me, so why even try, right? That, Jesus was well aware of that. He spent time at their table, and he listened to their story. 
And he valued them and their life. And eventually he would die for exactly those people. And that's us today. So that's, that's the invitable moment. Then there's this invitable, uninvitable guest. Um, flip over a few pages. We're not going to read this scripture, uh, the whole passage. But in Luke chapter 7, um, verse 36, we, we talked about this uh, a little bit before Easter. About this woman um, that uh, she lived a sinful life. And in case you, you don't remember the whole encounter at this table um, that Jesus was at, um, Jesus was invited to the table of a Pharisee named Simon. And he, 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 came, he came to Simon's house, and it was a big deal. But the woman, she, she doesn't have a name in Scripture, and I don't know why, but she hears that Jesus was going to be there. And I don't even know if she lived in that town. But she hears that Jesus was going to be there, and she goes to every length possible to make sure that she comes and encounters Jesus too. And um, in verse 37 in, in, in Luke uh, chapter 7, it simply says that she was one who lived a sinful life, which simply means it could have been any one of us, right? It could have been any one of them that was at the, at the meal already. And she steps out of her comfort zone, and um, she's uninvitable, right? She wasn't invited because she's uninvitable. She was one of those people. And it doesn't name her sin. It just said she lived a sinful life. And she just welcomes herself into the house of the religious leader. And she was not welcome there. Most likely received multiple double takes, a couple side eyes, and probably some pretty terrible comments from the Pharisees that were in attendance. Let's, let's uh, I mean, and that's one of the reasons extend grace is one of the pillars that we stand on, that regardless of who walks in to this place, they are welcome, right? And we have to swallow that pill um, because that's what was given to us. And so we all live in sin, and that grace was extended to us. And so we, um, we can't make those comments. It's exactly what she was treated like, and she doesn't care. She just walks up to Jesus, and she has to see him. She's weeping so much that she begins to wash Jesus' feet with her tears. And she washes her uh, and wipes, it with her ha- wipes his feet with her hair. And she's, uh, she honors Jesus with this jar of perfume. And she's beside herself to be in the presence of Jesus. That's all she wanted. She didn't say a word, at least that we know of. And the Pharisee, Simon, this professional Christian, he's upset. How in the world could you let her touch you? If you really knew who she was, Jesus, you wouldn't let her touch you. She's unclean. She's a sinner. Do you know what she's done? And Jesus is like, well, yeah, (laughs) I do, actually, because I'm Jesus. But he didn't say that. He didn't even judge her. He could have because He's Jesus. He's God in a body. He had full awareness of who she was. And he was upset because she was so uninvitable, so unholy to be in the Pharisees' presence 
in his own home. Yet the Son of God reacted differently. And Jesus acknowledged her for who she was, even though she was uninvitable, even though she was a sinner. And Jesus went on, went so far as to flip the scene on Simon. In, in the scripture, it says that um, he said, he, 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 um, he, he, uh, he, he flips the scene on Simon for not honoring his house guest properly. That he talks to the woman, or he's, he's speaking to Simon while focusing and talking to the woman. And his response is this. Right? Jesus' response is he spent time at his adversary's table willing to have a hard conversation because that's what was going to happen. And he listened to him. He listened to Simon and everything he had to say. But in the end, he spoke truth where truth was needed to the uninvitable, to the woman who came and sought him out. He valued her. He forgave her, which was even a bigger deal. And her story unfolded and her life changed at the table where she was not even invited to. So the last encounter that Jesus had at a very familiar table that even has a really cool children's song to go with it. Uh, Maybe we'll sing it later. I doubt it. Luke chapter 19, um, verse 1 through 10. Uh, And this table encounter asserts some urgency from both sides, from Jesus' side and from this guy named Zacchaeus, okay? He was a wee little man, okay? And a wee little man was he. Jesus was in, he was in the city of Jericho. Jericho's famous, right? Um, Their walls fell down at one point in the Old Testament. But that's where Zacchaeus lived. He's another tax collector, um, they get a bad rap, um, obviously, uh, on purpose. But that's where he lived. And not only was he a tax collector, he was the chief tax collector. What that means was he was like the head CPA, I guess. He was the department head, you, you name it. But what it means is that the people hated him. But also, chances are, all the other tax collectors hated him too. Because he was the top of the pyramid scheme, right? He was the chief tax collector, So not only did all the people owe him, but all the tax collectors probably owed him too. So not a whole lot of friends. Um, There were probably a lot of people that feared him, but not a whole lot of friends. And Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus for whatever reason. He had heard about Jesus, and he heard that Jesus was coming down the road. I want to see him. But Luke, who spares very little detail when he writes his gospel, (coughs) excuse me, He points out that Zacchaeus is short, and that's mean, and it's okay, I guess, because he says he was short, and he could have just said that the crowd was tall, but he did both. He said the crowd was tall, and Zacchaeus was short, and Zacchaeus did not want to miss Jesus walking by, so what does he do? Climbs up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. That part's not in the Bible, but that's what he wanted. He wanted to see Jesus, and there was an urgency to it. Why do I know there's urgency? Because people didn't climb trees. Grown-ups did not climb trees in that culture, so that was a big deal. And so he climbs up into the tree, and he wanted to see Jesus, and he knew that he would if he 
went to all costs to do so. And sure enough, here comes Jesus walking down the road. You know who else wanted to see Jesus? All those other people. That's a pretty big deal. Jesus had a reputation by this time. And Jesus comes walking by, and sure enough, he stops at the tree. You think that's on purpose? I do too. Thanks for answering. Um, and he says, he looks up. Why did he look up? Because he knew he was in the tree. Of course he did. And he says, Zacchaeus, how did he know his name? Because he's Jesus. You know, he just knows the answers. He'd, be, uh, he'd kill it on Jeopardy, I think. Um, he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Just come down immediately. And he invites himself over for dinner. Try it sometime, right? Just, hey, I'm coming to your house today, right? And that's exactly what happened. He comes down. Jesus, the disciples, Zacchaeus and his whole crew, they go to Zacchaeus' house. They sit down at the table of a sinner, a tax collector, one of the biggest jerks in all of the city of Jericho. And Jesus, the Son of God, is sitting there with him. And I bet you can guess who had a problem with it. Yep, the Pharisees. And they just kind of followed. You think they were mad because they didn't get invited or because Jesus was sitting there? They doesn't talk about that. Really, though, in verse 7 of chapter 19, all the people had a problem. It, didn't, it wasn't even just the Pharisees this time. All the people. And it's because, you know, chief tax collector. That carried a lot of merit. But that's how much people hated Zacchaeus, right? And in the end, Zacchaeus repents. And he gives half his possessions to the poor, which makes sense because most likely that's where he got half of his stuff anyway, right? They gave it to him in the first place, so he just gives it back to him. And Jesus forgives him. The sinner of all sinners, Jesus forgives him. Zacchaeus had a sense of urgency to meet Jesus. Climbs a tree because he's too short. He solves the problem. He figures it out. I can't see over all these tall people. And instead of pushing his way through, he just gets above them. Jesus had a sense of urgency to sit at his table. Not only did he just not walk by, not only did he, he didn't just say, hey, Peter, see that dude up there? Find him later and let's go over to his house. He stops. He says, I'm coming to your house. Get down here. Zacchaeus, come, immediately come down, he said. That's the sense of urgency he had. <coughs> Excuse me. And it turned into a life-changing event for Zacchaeus. There was an invitable moment. There was an uninvitable person. There was an invite yourself a bowl, which is not a word, I made it up. Invite yourself a bowl situation. There was an urgency. All these are types of people that Jesus sat at the table with. All types of people, all other Christians uh, uh, of the day, thought were beneath them because they were sinners. They didn't believe, they didn't think the same way. They didn't check all the boxes uh, that the law followed, right? They were a, they were a few things, there are a few things that we can take away in, in these little encounters at the table that Jesus had. First, at Jesus sitting at Matthew's table. Jesus invited, uh, Jesus was invited 
Uh, well, first of all, Jesus invited Matthew to do something, right? Sorry. That one just died and fell. Sorry. That's crazy. Matthew, Matthew invited, uh, Jesus invited Matthew to something. He said what? He said, follow me. Two words, follow me. Here in the fall, we're going to have a little, um, a, a series that's called I Speak Jesus. We sang the song today. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about. Things that Jesus said. And he just said, follow me. And that's what happened. People followed him. Immediately, there's that word again, Matthew followed him. And immediately, Matthew turned around and invited him to his house, to his table, because he needed to sit down and hash out a few things with Jesus, share his story, tell him who he was, who he was get it out there, tell him, oh, this is what I did. And Jesus the whole time knew what was going on, right? Jesus accepted the invite, which shows all of us how much of a two-way relationship that Jesus wants with us, how willing he is to go to great, to great lengths, to just sit down and visit with us. He knows our whole story, right? And he's just willing to sit down and listen anyway. Jesus said, follow me, and immediately he went. Eventually, essentially, he follows Matthew, right, to his house, even though Matthew followed him. And because he's interested in knowing us, because he wants, he craves that relationship with us, and, and it's one of the best ways um, he's interested, uh, he knows what's best for us, and he knows of the best ways to do that, it's to sit down at the table and just listen and be with us. Jesus gave Matthew a place to belong by showing how much he valued Matthew. Matthew left, remember, he left this life, a pretty lucrative life of security, of wealth, knowing that he didn't have anything to turn to. And Jesus gave him a place to be and belong assuring him that he was going to be there and to know that Jesus was with him, literally. He was going to be there with him. When Jesus was at the Pharisee Simon's table, Jesus was invited, right? The woman was not. The guest of honor ended up honoring the one that came uninvited. The guest of honor honored the one that lived a sinful life, at the table of someone that was enraged that she was even in the room. At the table of someone, uh, the woman, she was drawn to Jesus. And she went to great lengths to find a way to be in his presence. Because people are desperate to find Jesus. And there are people who see them as uninvitable that despise their faults, just like the Pharisee despised this woman's faults. And it's why they don't come, and they won't engage. But Jesus valued her heart and forgave her. Jesus, at Zacchaeus' table, 
again, the table of a tax collector, the worst of the worst of the worst. And they both had an urgency. They, they, they wanted, they craved a relationship with each other. It was just a matter of time and how they could meet and, in, and, and make this encounter happen. I mean, he climbed a tree, not culturally accepted, right? Jesus called him down. He, he went, he said, immediately. He called him by name, even though he probably had never um, met him before. He, he went above and beyond. And, and he said, I'm coming to your house. He invited himself over. Not probably the, the most uh, best protocol, okay? But he did it anyway. Because that's the sense of urgency that Jesus had with him. And where, you know, the table was full of guests that were sinners. And he overcame that anyway. And his life, Zacchaeus' life was changed. We see this common thread at all three different tables, right? Three people that needed something more in their lives. They had something missing, right? Two were rich. And maybe the, the woman uh, that, was, that lived a sinful life, she might have been rich too. The, there's no background on her. So, but all three were despised. All three were missing something in their lives, all three were open to an encounter with Jesus. And that's the thing. People are starving for something. And they want, they're, they're still infatuated with Jesus. They want something like Jesus in their life. They just don't know that it's actually Jesus sometimes, right? So that's our job is to show them it's Jesus. All three were open to that encounter. Some of, some of them, did, they just, like the woman, she just sought him out. I got to have this, right? Zacchaeus, was, he was standoffish. He could have just walked up to Jesus, but instead he got up in the tree. Matthew just followed him. Forgiveness was available at the table. At each encounter, repentance was offered, right? And, and each table encounter, Jesus gave, it, gave them what they asked for. He forgave them. Jesus was not concerned with the religious leaders and what they were concerned about. He didn't care what boxes these people had checked and what they, life they had lived in the past. It didn't matter to them. Okay, It didn't matter. Uh, and he didn't make the people come and find him. He got to know them. He listened to their stories. He let, them, he let their lives unfold in front of them and how they saw life. And then he would love them. That's all he did. And of course, he's Jesus, right? He saw their sin. He knew. He knew their issues. He was not impressed by their faults. But he didn't judge them. He forgave them. He loved them despite their faults and their issues and their sin. Just like he does with us. So there's power in an invitation. There's an open invitation from Jesus to us as well. And he offered it to Matthew and many others, and it was, follow me, right? He valued the uninvitable for who they are, a child of God. There's urgency for Jesus to encounter us, just like he did with Zacchaeus. And at the conclusion of our invitation to follow Jesus, there's forgiveness, there's restoration, 
and a love that only Jesus can offer to us. 